Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Yes, how many know that men (laughs) and women, we communicate differently, don't we? We process things differently, we think differently, we speak differently, and um, and that's okay. Different and difficult do not have to mean the same thing. Is that right? And today, you know what? People aren't talking enough, are they? With, tech, not with this fixation with technology. And you can go to a restaurant and you'll see couples and families just around just texting. I know we have a rule. There is no texting at the table, no matter where we're at. And even when people are communicating, when they are talking, they are, there are some key elements of communication that is greatly lacking in our society that's almost maddening. And so words are powerful, aren't they? They're powerful. I think of a time when I was at uh, North Central University in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was working on my bachelor's degree, and I was, uh, there was a, a, a gentleman there. He was about 30 years old, and um, he, he and I would kind of developed a friendship, and his name is Eddie, and they call him, that's actually not his real name, but they call him Eddie, and Eddie um, was, he was pretty well known, but not for the right reasons, he was really kind of socially really awkward, he really was, and I would always have him come and sit at my table in the, in the cafeteria, and I knew that could be social suicide, right, you're trying to be cool, and um, you know, you're, I'm single at the time, and Eddie, he had this, like, fire red hair, and he had, like, a fro. And it, I mean, really, it was this bright red fro. And he, and he did talk a little funny. It looked like maybe he had a stroke or something. And uh, as I got to know him, I realized that this guy really loves the Lord. He's really smart, but yet he is a little socially awkward. And sometimes you know, you're talking to him, and he'd kind of violate your space. I mean, Eddie, you got to back off a little bit, man. You're getting a little too close. You're making me nervous. And finally, one time we're, talk, we're talking, he said, Steve, never tell you what happened to me. I don't think I ever told you. He said, when I was in college, when I was younger, he said, I, was, I, was, I belonged to a fraternity, and I was drinking, and that night I also took LSD and literally fried my brain. He said, that's why I talk the way they do. That's why my face is a little... Um, and Uh, And so, but Eddie was a great guy. Now, fast forward, I'm at a home for lunch with this girl who was commuting. Yes, I was interested in her at the time, and hopefully she was me. And we had lunch, and we're working on a project. We were working on a project, okay? Don't look at me that way. Um, And so, and we're talking, and, and finally she just says, she says, Steve, there's this guy on campus Man, this dude is a freak. He just freaks me out. He is the biggest pervert, and she didn't even know him. And he said, he's got this wild red hair, and he just, and she was making fun of him. She just started making fun of him. I said, you're talking about Eddie, right? She said, yeah, that's it, Eddie. That dude is a freak. And just went on and on. I just kind of held my peace for a minute and let her hang herself a little more. And then finally I said, I just want you to know, Eddie is my friend. She's, and you can just see her jaw drop. She's like, oh, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I did not know. I had no idea. And I said, you know, he's a great guy if you get to know him. I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to go. 
And she's like, oh, don't go, don't go. She was dragging up. No, she wasn't doing that. She said, don't go, please. And, and I thought, no. And, I, and so I left. And I realized that is not the time of, type of woman that I wanted, right? Because if I'm in search for that Proverbs 31 woman, which I got, my Jane. <laughs> She's in Atlanta right now. But it says that the law of kindness is on her lips. And the law of kindness. And, and just, you know, your words communicate your heart, don't they? And words are powerful. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Words kill, words give life, either poison or fruit. You choose. So what's it saying? You choose the relationship that you want to have. Because every good relationship, every good marriage is loaded with good, positive, life-giving words. Every relationship, every marriage that stinks is loaded with negativity and criticism. Words, what does it say? They're poison or fruit. You choose. And we need to remember that. Words are powerful. And we need to use them wisely. Remember hearing a sermon you all did. Speak to each other, not at each other. Isn't that right? Now, if you're single tonight, don't tune out. Never tune out of a marriage message. This is the time to learn about marriage. Isn't that right? It's like trying to fly an airplane and you didn't have any training. And then you get on board, you fly that thing, you have people on, right, driving, flying along with you, and you crash and burn. And that's what a lot of people do when it comes to marriage because we need to take the time. And I realize this, that the same principles it takes to get a date is really the same principles it takes to keep a mate. And so don't tune out. So nothing will destroy uh, a relationship quicker than ill-advised words. Isn't that right? Um, they say, what is the number one, what is the number one problem in marriage? Some say it's finances. How many have ever heard of Dave Ramsey? You guys like Dave Ramsey? Yeah, don't cheer for that guy. I mean, he's a killjoy. He takes all the fun out of marriage, I'm telling you. <laughs> but the number one problem is communication. And here's the, just three principles I want to share with you tonight. Uh, we need to communicate kindness. We need to communicate kindness. You know, we need to give people more kindness than they deserve. That was a sign I saw in my principal's office. Give people more kindness than they deserve because everyone is fighting a battle, aren't they? They are fighting a battle. And so we need to communicate kindness. I need to know that you care about me. You need to know that the person who's talking to you really, really cares about you. And this is what it says in Proverbs. I love this verse. It says, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles temper fire. That's not the type of fire you want in your marriage. Um, kind words heal and help, but cutting words wound and maim, don't they? Don't they? Can you remember some words back, even when you were a childhood? You still remember them to this day, those cutting words that were spoken to you. Or about you. There's an old saying that goes that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, Jane and I, you know, we grew up in large homes. Jane had, there were six kids in Jane's family, and ours had seven. And by the way, my mom and dad and my grandma are right over here, if you could just recognize them. Seven kids. And my grandma has so many great 
grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-grandkids that it would take all night to count them all. But anyhow, we grew up, and so we learned to survive. And it was just one of those things, you just kind of set it the way it was, right? And the harsher it was, the more effective we thought it was. And I mean, we, we had to survive. It was even a point where my parents would even buy us, our seven kids, our own food, and we would hide it because, I mean, it was just crazy. And yet my, my little brother, I think it was five or six at the time, he would hide his under the couch. Unfortunately, he put ice cream under there too. And uh, we wonder what was going, what was smelling so bad a couple days later. But, you know, communicating kindness may even start with just our body language, acting like we care, that we're engaged, right? That we're really listening. You know, your spouse needs to feel cared for or else we're missing the mark. Isn't that right? We need to communicate kindness. Um, Jane taught me that uh, kindness and gentleness really are fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> because I didn't realize how harsh I would come across. There's times she'd say, Steve, I wish I just had a recorder so you could hear the way you're talking to me. And there was a time when we were pastoring um, our first church in, in Twinsburg, and we had, and I knew some th- that we were going to have to let our secretary know, our financial secretary, and and I said, Jane, you better learn some of the things she's doing because I, I see the day coming, and it's going to be probably in two or three months. So please learn this program. And so I had to let the woman go, unfortunately. And Jane's trying to figure everything out, and she didn't know anything. She didn't take the time. And so I'm riding her. I'm riding that. I told you that this, I knew this was going to happen, and I just kept going on. And, I just, and I, I just wouldn't let it go. So she ended up pushing her chair back from the desk. She turned around. She punched me. <laughs> yeah, she's the one who taught me that fruit of the Spirit is kindness and gentleness. She punched me, and she said, you know what? I didn't sign up to be your secretary. I signed up to be your wife. And I thought, oh, man, and I'm a pastor at the time. <laughs> Thinking, oh, gosh, and had dreams of a marriage ministry, and... Oh, boy, Uh, I had to learn. I had to learn. I had to learn sometimes the hard way. But, you know, food scientists, they try to get that sweet spot, right, of sweet and salty. And we need to learn. Sometimes, you know, we could be too sweet when we need to share, right? We need to add a little more salt. And sometimes we're so salty when we need to have a good mixture of sweetness. You know what I'm saying? It reminds me of this, uh, this, uh, this gal who was on a date. I think it was her second or third date. And the guy leaned over to give her a kiss goodnight. And she just pushed him away and said, I can't, you think I'm that type of woman that you would, t- you think I would touch you? I don't even know you. You think she got a second date with that guy? No. <laughs> no, she didn't. But what she could have done, I think, think about it. Just, hey, you know what? I'm flattered, but... Part of my policy, personal policy, is, you know, I, I just don't do that. I'd like to get to know you a little bit more, and I think you're a nice guy. Th- is, that, is that a little bit better? Did that save his dignity? Maybe get that second date? See, sometimes uh, for singles, you may know how to, uh, uh, especially single ladies, you may know how to attract a man, but in order to keep a man, you got to know how to talk to a man, right? And the same goes for the guys as well, but it's so important. Um, But our body language, our tone of voice is so important. And by the way, dating isn't real life, is it? It's like living in a, you know, a drug-induced state. It really is. I mean, it's not real. 
I mean, you're putting your best foot forward. You have those long phone conversations that go on and on. Remember those? Like, yeah, way back when. And, and remember, it's like, no, you hang up first. No, you hang up. And for a half hour, no, you hang up. And now that you're married, you just hope your spouse will pick up, right? <laughs> the, there's a true story. This is an amazing story um, about uh, this a Chinese guy for four years had these intense headaches. They were so intense, uh, he couldn't stand it. He also had bad breath and difficulty breathing. And so after four years, nothing worked. He went to the doctor. They gave him an x-ray of his head, and they found a knife in it, a four-inch blade. And there it is. There's the knife they pulled out. You could see where it was. Four years prior... They said it was a miracle that he even lived. He was robbed at knife point, and he realized he got stabbed. The knife was so sharp, it didn't even make, it just went in cleanly and broke off. Isn't that wild? It's kind of disgusting. But here's the point. I wonder how many verbal knife blades we left in people that caused them years of pain because we were careless with our words. Words can affect us for a long time. Even Proverbs says, the hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. And you know, stabbing is an event, but healing is a process. And sometimes your spouse's reaction doesn't always match the situation. And I believe it's an indicator of a level of hurt. And showing kindness, we could do that by listening. They say we could... We could speak about 220 words per minute. We could listen to over 500 words a minute. We need to learn to listen, right? Uh, Stephen Covey says, most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to respond. In today's world, right, it's kind of a smart aleck society, isn't it? It really is, sarcastic. In today's world, sometimes our mouths are getting bigger, our ears are getting duller, our eyes are getting dimmer, and our hearts are getting smaller, but we need to change, and we need to be, as a scripture, uh, and by the way, the word Proverbs, it says, careless words stab like a sword, but wise words bring healing. They stab like a sword, and our words are powerful, and we need to be careful that we use them wisely, and we need to speak to each other, not at each other, amen? Amen. Um, Scripture in James, James chapter 1, verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And what do we do? We're quick to get angry, we're quick to speak, and we're slow to hear. <laughs> Isn't that right? But we need to show kindness by listening. Guys, let her talk. Don't shut her down. Don't shut her down. Did you see the bird? We got the bird picture up there. Let's get the bird. We have the bird. There's the bird. Don't shut her down, okay? <laughs> Amen. You know, some things just to show kindness, open-ended open questions. Don't multitask. Be present when you are, be fully present when you are talking with someone. Don't hold people captive when you're talking. Stay out of the weeds. You know what I'm saying? The details that just go on and on and on that aren't even relevant to the conversation. But we need to halt. You've heard halt, right? When you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we need to stop. We need to halt 
and be like that radio station that has a seven seconds delay, right, before we say something and really think about it. Think before you speak, right? Is it, is it thoughtful? Is it helpful? Right? Is it inspiring, necessary? Is it kind? It's so important. This is great. I love this verse. Ephesians 4, 29, 30 in the message. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. Each word a gift. Is your, are your words a gift to other people, especially your spouse, your, your kids? And here's just real quick before we go on. How, here's some things you can say. How can I pray for you this week? Ask your spouse. What can I do for you to make your life easier this week? What can I do to meet your needs or make you feel loved this week? What can I do to help you make your dreams come true? And you know why we don't do this sometimes? Because we're afraid of being taken advantage of. Isn't that funny? But the opposite is true. When you do, when you sow into that, I'll tell you what, it's going to open the door of your spouse's heart. We need to communicate kindness. We need to communicate praise. I need to know that you'll celebrate me. Your spouse needs to know that you still wow them. We need to communicate praise. I love the scripture verse, Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Think about it. The, what is the courts? It's the intimate part of our relationship with God, the inner court, the intimate part, fellowship that we have with God. And God is saying, you're not going to my inner court unless you praise me. And the same is true for our spouse. Amen? We need, we need to learn to praise. And, you know, I think one of the things we need to learn on, that I'm, I make it a practice, is to brag on people. Brag on your spouse, whether they're with you or not. Brag on them. By the way, if you're bragging on your spouse at the office, I think it's going to help keep that tempter out of the way, at bay. You know what I'm saying? When you're communicating and bragging on your spouse, they're not going to want to try to come around anyhow. But brag on your kids. Brag on your boss. Brag on your pastor. Brag on your employees. Brag on your, you know, your teacher, your coach, whatever the case is. I know when, when other teachers would come, their spouse would come to school, I was like, man, I want to tell you what it's like working with this person. They are awesome. And brag on people. People will be drawn to that. And it's so important. You know, it was one man who said this. I, I love this. He said, people may not remember what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Never forget how you made them feel. Let's be that kind of person with everybody, but especially our mate. Because negativity kills. We close our hearts to negative people, don't we? We really do. Uh, the number one, you know what the number one predictor of a divorce is? It's criticism. And what is criticism? It is focusing on the negative. It's a filter where every, all the positive can be just, just siphoned out. Being negative. I remember we were on our, I had to learn quick. <laughs> it took me a few years to learn, but we were in our honeymoon in Hawaii, and I decided to get some jet skis. And, you know, I grew up with motorcycles and golf carts, or not golf carts, go-karts. I'm thinking of the South now. And, you know, pickup trucks, and, you know, we, we had motorcycles, four-wheelers. And I know we, the faster, the better. My mom couldn't even bear to watch us do it. So I'm on a jet ski, and I'm just hitting this thing as fast as I could. And Jane, I didn't realize how terrified she was on the back. And, you know, she, she didn't have that type of upbringing. And so finally, after a little bit, she couldn't take it. She said, Steve, do you mind if I drive for a little bit? I'm like, sure. You know, 
maybe in a few minutes. I mean, we just started. She's like, no, how about now? I'm like, okay. And so she's putting along granny style. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm thinking, come on, Jane, we paid for this. Let's, let's have fun. Let's just, you know, hit these waves as fast as we can. If we fall off, no big deal. We'll get back on. And, and she's putting along. And I'm finally, I'm like, you know what? You're just driving like an old lady. I mean, my grandma drives fast at that. Yeah, it was on the honeymoon. She's like, oh, so you think I'm an old lady, <laughs> But negativity, that, that doesn't do anything, does it? It closes up. It, our spouse is going to disconnect from us the more negative that we are. And, and so we need to be positive. We need to focus on the positive. They say even if you like a restaurant, if you like a restaurant, you'll tell four people. If you don't like it, you know how many people you'll tell on average? 18. We focus on the negative. You know, in uh, kids, they hear like 1,500 direct put-downs a year. And, they, and the psychologists tell us it takes 10 put-ups to, to negate one put-down. So they need to hear 15,000, 15,000 positive things, words of affirmation. We need to do that. We've got to do that. You know, I've had the privilege of counseling just hundreds of people, literally, and one of the things I would do when people would come for marriage counseling is I would have them write down, just take a few minutes, and write down every positive thing you could think of about your spouse. It helps you remember how you fell in love. Well, and, and I knew this couple pretty well. I'm, I'm still friends with the gentleman this day, and he's writing away. And she's just sitting there. And so he shares all these things, and, and then I said, okay, now it's your turn. And she said, I said, what do you have? She said, Nothing. I mean, not one thing, not one. And I know this guy. I was friends with this guy. And, and he was like educated, advancing in his, you know, in his career, six-figure guy. He looked 15 years younger than what he was. I mean, complete opposite, complete opposite of her, seriously. And not one. I could write a list right now of about 20 things just like this from what I know about him. Unfortunately, she couldn't think of anything. Why? Because criticism, that negativity, it filters out all the bad. You can't remember one good thing? Needless to say, they're no longer together. But it's so important. And we need to tell our spouse things like, you're hot, I'd marry you all over again. You make my heart sing. I can't imagine life without you. I want to make your dreams come true. We need to tell them that they are unbelievable. Just Unbelievable. Come on, Pastor Joe. <laughs> Unbelievable. They need to know that. They need to hear that for you yeah, with this bum need just a bit. I'm sorry, that wasn't fair. But, you know, here's what the Bible says. Isaiah 61, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I believe that also works not just in the church, but in the house. When we praise, that heaviness will go away. And we need, listen, we need to appeal uh, ladies, when, when, you, when you're speaking, appeal to a man's need for honor. Men live on the edge of shame. You know, you've heard them talk, people talk about man, man's ego, right? Come on, ladies, right? One thing we know, it's big and it's fragile. But it's not, it is big and it is fragile. But it's not because of what you think. It's not because of arrogance and pride. It's because he lives with this incessant, uh, 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 sense are on the edge of shame. 
in inadequacy. And he needs to be built up. Your secret weapon is your lips. Not your hips or the thing. It's your lips. It's powerful. And that's what he needs. He needs that. And, and so, man, they'll hear everything through a filter. Do you, do you believe in me? Are you for me? Do you think I'm all that in a bag of chips? Right? Be his biggest cheerleader. When you speak honor and respect, he'll listen to you. If you don't speak, he, it's like white noise. It just bounces up. It, and a lot, so many times when counseling couples, you'd hear the wife say, he just doesn't hear me. He, he doesn't hear me. And one of the reasons, speak to his honor. Because disrespect is like a jamming frequency for men. They have that heightened sense of shame and inadequacy. And he needs your help, your help to build that confidence that he needs. Behind every great man is a great woman, no doubt about it. Proverbs says a, that a shameful wife saps his strength. It's so important. Even single ladies, so singles, they'll ask the ladies, say, well, how can I get to know him or get him to notice me? I'll tell you what, one way is compliment him. Just compliment the guy. Don't say, hey, I like your shirt. Say, you look good in that shirt. I like your style. It'll get his attention, I promise you. You know, in, in 1 Peter, it talks about women having a meek and quiet spirit. How many, love, how many ladies love that verse, right? <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what? You have an equal right to, to speak up in your marriage, and you need to say whatever you can. There's no don't go there's in marriage, right? There's no don't go there's. But what it's saying is to entreat your husband. Speak respectfully to him, right? Learn, you know, when I use that word submit, you know, submit is really learning to duck so God could hit him. But you know what? It, you need to speak to his honor. It's not that the wife is to be mousy, right? But it also means she shouldn't be mouthy either. Come on, amen. Don't hit me. One's my plainly. But it says Sarah called them Lord. Sarah called Abraham Lord. Now, I don't want my wife to call me Lord. I only have one Lord. But in that day, it would be the equivalent of today saying, you're my man. You are my hunk of a man. You are awesome, right? And, and it's, and she was building him up with his words. It's so important. And I used to tell Jay, it's not what you say, but how you say it. That is so important. Words are powerful. It says that um, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a contentious, nagging woman. Ten verses later, it says it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious, nagging wife. So he went from the rooftop to the wilderness, and that guy's still running, Right? <laughs> He's running because men will not respond to that, right? And so it's really important. So um, don't, don't shame him. Don't say stuff like this. I wish you could be more like Sandy's husband. You know, just what is it you do all day? You know, um, you're the worst driver I've ever seen. Actually, Jane actually told me that one time. She really did. And she might be right, you know. Or why do you watch those stupid football games anyhow? Well, maybe he thinks the notebook is stupid. I don't know. Anyhow. But whenever a woman instills shame in her husband, she's wrong, even if she's right. And men appeal to a woman's need for security. Make her feel special. Use your words. Because women are listening through the filter of security. 
whenever you're harsh and explode, you know what? It affects her. And she needs to feel safe around. She needs to know, do you really love me? Will you fight for me? Am I worth it to you? Will you make me feel safe? Will you make me feel special? Will you work hard for me and the kids? Will you speak to me gently? And here's a picture of a you know, man just kind of screaming at his husband. And we need to show kindness, right? Here's, this is a great verse. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, go out for... Go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Isn't that powerful? And husbands, our words will evoke her beauty. And you can see it. You ever see a woman who's been beaten down? I mean, verbally, by her husband? It shows. But the worst thing you could do to a woman is instill fear. Women live on the edge of fear. And when a man instills fear in his wife, he is wrong even when he is right. We need to communicate praise. Amen. And then we need to communicate truth. I need to know that you'll always be honest with me. Right? We need to know you'll always be honest. And, you know, how many love this? When your wife asks you this, hey, honey, how do you like my hair? Or, you know, do you like this outfit? What are you going to say if you don't, right? And then, I mean, we need to be communicate, we need to communicate truth with grace. Jesus said he was full, it says about Jesus, he was full of grace and truth, right? Some men have uh, been honest and got punished for it. Um, but it's very important that we communicate truth. USA Today said that 91% of Americans lie regularly. And sometimes we don't lie, but we're just vague, right? We're really vague because we're hiding something. So you want to be very clear, right, why you can't be there um, because it creates suspicion if you don't, right? Honesty doesn't always mean 100% transparency, Right? But we need to be honest with our mate, and there should be no don't go there's in our marriage. In, um, in Proverbs, it says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. We need to have both, right? It also says in Ephesians 15, We need to speak the truth in love, and it says that we will grow thereby. And Proverbs 24, 26 says, it has an honest answer is like a warm hug. So if you're next to your spouse or your fiance, give them a hug right now. Or your boyfriend said, I'll always be honest with you. Go ahead, tell them. I'll always be honest with you. <clears throat> yeah. It's important that we speak truth. But truth without love is mean. Isn't it? Truth without love is mean. Love without truth is meaningless. But truth with love is meaningful. And we need to speak the truth. And again, have no, don't go there. Now, words can mean different things to men and women. So, for example, if she says, you're such a manly man, what she means is, is you're really sweaty and you need to take a shower and shave, okay? Um, when she says, do what you want, <laughs> What she really means is, you'll pay for it later, right? Come on. And when she says, it's your decision, 
What she's saying is that the correct decision should be obvious by now. And, you know, when a man says five minutes, he means five minutes, right? But when a woman says five minutes, it could be for an indefinite length of time. Isn't that right? When a man says nothing, it means nothing. When a woman says nothing, let me assure you, it is something. And you're going to find out sooner or later. Isn't that right? If a man sighs, he's just showing satisfaction. When a woman sighs, it means you're an idiot. <laughs> when, a, when a man says, go ahead, he's just being polite. If a woman says, go ahead, what she's, she's just giving you time to explain the stupid thing you just did. Isn't that right? But it means different things to different people. And sometimes we could be passive-aggressive, right? Where you say one thing, but really... You're just not being honest about how you feel. And then things bottle up, and then, bam, there's an explosion. And then you're thinking, where did that come from? You said you're okay with this. So we need to be honest. And when you're not sure what to say, when you're not sure what to say, say nothing at all. And I tell my sister, I talked to her, I said, if I could share this. Because my sister, she's so funny. Uh, my sister uh, won't use any names, Dawn, um, but <laughs> she went up to this lady that she would hang out with from time to time, and she rubbed her belly, and she said, so when is the baby coming? And she said, Dawn, there's no baby coming. She's like, shut up, look at you. Yes, you, yes, there is. <laughs> I said, no, I'm not having a baby. Well, when did the baby come? The lady said, four years ago. <laughs> so anyhow, my sister really is funny, even though that may not have been funny. It's funny now. But um, when you're not sure, say nothing. Okay, nothing at all. And when you need to correct, sometimes we need to correct. And you know what? Jesus had to correct the churches in Revelation, didn't he? And what did he do? He used the plus, plus, minus, and then always ended on a positive. Positive, positive negative, and then finish with the positive. And it really works. I remember I'd teach my leaders how to do that. And they, 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 when they had to correct someone, they'd pull them in the office, and they'd start to give them some positives, and they'd always get stopped and say, you know what, all right, just tell me. It doesn't work. I said, yes, it does. I said, the, only, the problem is the only time you're telling someone positive is when you're ready to correct them. So throw them a curveball and just say something nice and make it a regular habit. And so with our words, don't communicate hopelessness, discouragement, faithless words. Things like, we'll never get out of this mess. We'll never be able to afford that house. Or maybe I'll never get married. I'll always be stuck in this dead-end job. Instead, say stuff like, you know what? God's going to get us through this mess. I will be married someday. We will get that house uh, his promise still stands. I know that I am confident. I am not too old, right? I am gifted, and we need to share uh, words of faith. In conclusion, you know what? Once we communicate truth, we need to just give it to God. Just once you communicate truth, give it to God. And we need to let our spouse know that God is the owner of our mouth. We need to speak kindness. 
Profanity is not kind. We need to communicate praise. And we need to be truthful. Because the Bible says this. and Matt, this, Think about this verse. Think about this. Matthew 12, 36. Every idle word we will give an account for. Every single one. So I did some research and found that the average person speaks about 16,000 words a day. As a matter of fact, women and men speak pretty close, according to one study. Women still speak the most, 16,000 words with gusts of 30 or 40,000. But women, <laughs> I mean, actually, I speak more than my wife in public. I'm much more talkative in public, but she's more talkative at home than I am. It's kind of, but, um, so now do the math. 16,000 words a day times 365 days, right? Times, say, 75 years number of years that you're talking, that's uh, 438 million words, and we're going to have to give an account for every one of them. Every single one. That word idle means useless, inactive, unemployable words. That's what it means. It says in Psalms, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock my redeemer. And think about this. One of you needs to be the redeemer in your marriage. I thank God for Jane because I believe the most mature person will do the right thing first. And I remember when Jane and I struggled, we just we went to counseling and it was just like, man, we just felt trapped. Came home one day and she just had a different spirit about her. And her change and her whole attitude that just said, I care about you. I want to do whatever it takes to serve you. And when you use your words, your attitude in that way, things will change. And again, this isn't just for married couples. It's for singles. It's for parents. Words are so incredibly powerful. Psalm 17, you've tested my thoughts, examined my heart in the night. You've scrutinized me and found nothing wrong. I am determined not to sin in what I say. And we need to repent for the words that we have spoken, especially to our mate, our kids. Tell you, my kids, times when they aggravate me, and thank you, uh, Pastor Joe, for your kind words, and my kids are great. Sometimes they infuriate me, and I still talk kind and brag about them and speak words of faith. We need to speak where we want them to be, not just where they're at. And we need to repent. And one thing I realized this as a counselor, that no amount of counseling will ever help an unrepentant heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your words, the words that you speak, are spirit and their life. Help us be life givers, infusing life in our marriage, life into our kids, life to our friendships, Life in our classroom, in our workplace, on our team. Words of life. Forgive us, Lord, for being so flippant. Help us to speak words of faith. For when we speak faith, we're not denying, we're not lying. We're simply declaring the promises of God over our situation. Help us, Lord. Oh, Lord, help us. And we can speak to our mountains. 
Lord, I thank you for healing. Lord, for those that are here tonight, their heart hurts. It hurts so bad. Maybe it's something that your spouse or someone just said to you, spoke to you. Even just getting a negative report. Thank you, Lord, for giving them that garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Bring healing, God. I thank you, Lord. We just curse every depression, anxiety, hopelessness, despondency in Jesus' name. You are not here by accident tonight, this first Wednesday of summer. Thank you, Lord. Breathe the breath of life. You rejoice over us with singing. Thank you, God. If you're here tonight, I don't know, if, you don't, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you tonight, the most important decision you'll ever make. The Bible says that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Then you will be saved. Will you do that tonight? Wherever you're at, would you just bow your heads? And can we pray this prayer together? This is so important that even our mouth is used for salvation. Let's say this together, could we? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Today I make him my Savior because I'm a sinner. I renounce sin. I live for you. Today is a new day because I give my life to you. The past is gone. The new has come. And Jesus, I thank you for saving me. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.